Welcome to SIN 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew Hall, how are you doing, my brother? Fantastic. Glad to be here today, man. Yeah, yeah, me too. I don't know if we shared this on the air, but there's a guy named Sean Stone. And he's just one of those people, when I first met him, I fell in love with him. Okay. He met up with some old friends of mine from 35 years ago in a Christian ministry. They do dangerous things in the most dangerous parts of the world, literally. And he got connected with them. And my name came up somehow, which is bizarre. Oh, yeah, sure. You don't know anybody. It's just putting two pieces together like that is so weird. It's neat. And I said, man, Sean, it's a small world. And he goes, no, no, Kevin. It's a huge family. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I really have gotten it because that makes sense. And uh, to some degree, we share this lady that's here today. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I share more than yeah, you. Yeah, you guess. definitely have a greater influence. <laughs> I adore her more than you do. But you've played, I don't know if you know this, Courtney. Matt's prayed for you, and you've probably got encouraging texts from him. Oh, yes. It's a huge family. It's really, really good. I'm going to mispronounce your name. I know Courtney really well, but mm-hmm. I would pronounce your name Cazares. How would your husband, Nate, pronounce his name? Casares. See, si, it sounds so much more exotic. Si. <laughs> yeah. So, Courtney, I, you know, I would just want to start off with, tell me your Jesus story. How'd you meet him? How'd he capture your heart? How'd that happen? Mm-hmm. Mine was definitely over time. There was not like a, there was, but there wasn't like a moment. A lot of people have, mm-hmm. they pray the prayer and ever since that day, but I wouldn't say that's how it happened for me. My mom became a Christian when I was about 10, brought my sister and I to the little Lutheran church across the street from our house. And I wouldn't say I particularly enjoy it. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that church because it still goes on today. And there's beautiful people there that my mom very much loves. But I was 10 and it was small and there was a lot of older people. So that wasn't it for me. But I don't know if you know this. I maybe have shared a long time ago, but I ended up in an after school Bible club called Higher Ground. I've heard of that. Put on by Foothills Christian Church. Because I had a crush on a boy. Okay. And the leader was Jeremy Miller. I know him. The long-haired Jeremy Miller. (laughs) (laughs) And my mom came to pick me up, and he talked to her about Future Quest, so I ended up at Future Quest. How neat. I would say I attended a couple years in a row before there was like a real connection to my heart. And I think that the first message, this is why I said there is and there isn't a moment, because the first message that I would say provoked action, Hmm. which me going to get prayer, provoked some feelings during worship, was a message that, funny enough, I attributed to somebody who it wasn't. Okay. So it was actually a Mark message. Mark Hoffman? But one time I was talking to Mark about the message. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, I heard this great message. You'll never believe it. (laughs) And I gave credit to somebody else. And unfortunately, (laughs) I found out that day that it was Mark. (laughs) He straightened you out. Yes, it was so so funny. I will never (laughs) forget. I I was like, what a humble man. Since then, I've attended Future Quest as a leader. And he's done that message again, like 10 years down the road. Yeah. And it was so surreal watching Mm. all these other children 
hear and be provoked in the same oh, yeah. or similar way that I was. One of the number one things I hear about Future Quest, for those who don't know about it, it's a conference that Foothills Christian Church has put on for 20 or 30 years, I don't know, forever. And the thing I hear most often is this was an ever since then moment yeah because it just changes lives it's like yeah. camp mm -hmm. and it's just extraordinary so that is very very cool yeah i think i don't know i had a we'll call it a revelation years down the road when i was in my 20s that i didn't have quote unquote that moment and i didn't pray the prayer but it was it was like a well i think since i was about 15 16 you know one of those like I pretty much said, yeah, this seems like the right thing <laughs> and just started to make small changes in my life that aligned with the Bible, that aligned with the Word of God. Later on in my 20s when I was thinking about it, I had a friend at the time that shared so many extravagant, crazy, cool experiences with God <laughs> with me and pray this and that night, the, the answer to prayer. And I thought, I didn't really have a lot of those, to be honest. And there was something in me that was like... God knows our hearts so intricately. Forewarning, there will be tears on this podcast, <laughs> not because I'm pregnant, because I'm always emotional. <laughs> but you are pregnant. But I also am and you pregnant. Hear, you might have heard it here first. Courtney <sighs> is with child. With what? Child. Yeah, so you didn't know that. I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness! I found out during worship one night. I screamed so loud. Linda Hoffman looked over at me and went, "What's going oh, on over there?" And I was just giddy, happy, <laughs> so and I had to keep it a secret. It was oh terrible. my goodness! Congratulations. I told Nate. I told Kevin at work. He goes, I could see. <laughs> <laughs> you said, guess what? And I oh, went, man. you're having yes. a baby. Yeah, yeah. But the emotions came before that. Yes. So don't worry. No, so I had this like it, it, it's realization inside me that God knows us so intricately and so perfectly because he made us, but <laughs> that he knew my heart is a loyalist. I'm so, so like when I've made a choice, I've made a choice. And yeah. it didn't have to be this crazy experience. It didn't have to be God proving himself to me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people need proof, touch the holes in my hands kind of situation. For me, it didn't need to be like that. I fortunately enough understood to the best of a 15 year old's ability and decided that was for me and that was it and i've experienced <laughs> a lot of life since then and things have been rocky and i've had a lot of questions and a lot of doubts but i can confidently say like never have i walked away Man. and it's not because of some crazy cool goosebumpy experience yes yeah, one of the things i like we're so many times we're explaining that people are made differently and they share jesus differently we're unique we're wonderfully made and the jesus story that origin story is so different for so many different people and it's legit right because you're right he knows how he made you and he knows that sometimes it's a process and sometimes it's spectacular john wimber kind of stories too but it's when you're his you're his no matter how you got there. I want to talk a little bit about Teddy and Riley. Okay, mm. oh. so that you're part of a, a crazy spiritual family, like Mark and Linda just scooped up people and they moved in <laughs> and lived with them. I've had a couple myself. That's not unusual. But it really, that is such a sacrificial act. I mean, that's not an easy thing. You can write a check and send it in the mail to somebody. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. But how did you meet them and how did you 
possessed them. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to put it that way. I know, way. so weird. So for those of you that don't know, Teddy and Riley are my son and daughter. Now, as a, Not so, biological. Yeah. Can you explain, if you're up to it, how old are you and how yes. old are they? And, yeah. <laughs> and how old were they and you when you met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am currently 29. They are currently 18 and 17. That's uh, why they're not biological. Right. Yes. Many people, we were just in the hospital and it was, hi, are you sister? No, I'm mom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you look so useful. Whole other situation here. No. Yes, not biological. I very much still, they are still very much children to me. So it happened in 2018. They were 11 and Riley had just turned 13 oh by a day. So wow. technically 11 and 12. And I was, I think, 24. I will say you said what an incredible blessing and it wasn't supposed to be that way. It really wasn't. And here, this is where it gets emotional. Because if we lived in a world that went the way that God created it to go, they would be with their biological family. Yeah, mm -hmm. They would be with their birth mother and father. Unfortunately, we live in a fallen world, and that was made no longer possible for them. And I do believe that it's a humongous blessing. They've been a humongous blessing to me. I don't want anyone to mistake this as like a hero complex. Yeah. Because in fact, I struggled a lot with it. That first year, I threw the biggest brat fit about my 24th year of life or 25th, whatever year it was, of life being stolen from me because I completely, I did. I sacrificed everything. Well, what about me? And so there's no, I don't want anyone to think that I'm some crazy hero, but I will say God does make beauty out of ashes. Mm. So in that situation, that was unfortunate. I met them through kind of youth venture. Yep. I technically didn't meet them through youth venture myself. It was through my ex-husband who knew them before I did. So I had only actually met them one time before they moved into my house. <laughs> it was, I mean, craziest in the craziest ways. <laughs> mm. I tell this story now and I think like, it's kind of weird. I can definitely admit that's weird. They're staying the night for an event, a church event, which a lot of people think that's weird. Hmm. Um, but then they said, can we stay for a week? And we were like, yeah, but we need to like ask some questions first. We are not trying to steal anyone's children here, <laughs> wow. but that's how it happened. So hmm. without Me. sharing too much of other people's yeah. stories, yeah. what was supposed to be temporary to help out their birth mom turned into not temporary. Yeah. And now it's been five years and I have two teenage children. <laughs> <laughs> and one on the way. Yes. The reason why I wanted you to share that is because I want people to know your heart. Yeah. I want them to really get a picture of you. Secondly, I have this imagination when people are listening that everybody's different, but somebody can say, oh my gosh, that's what I need to do. That's what I feel a calling. That's the thing, whether it's mm -hmm. fostering or adopting or just taking somebody off the street and giving them a chance. And so there's some people that are built that way that that will resonate with mm -hmm. and they'll hear 
how hard it was and how worth it it was and how you grew in the process too. I watched this whole thing mm -hmm. and God was building you and sculpting you at the same time that mm -hmm. he was growing them up. Mm -hmm. So I have to shameless plug here. <clears throat> Fostering is not big enough. Yeah. Again, if we're in an ideal, the way that God created it, we wouldn't even have a foster system because all the kids would be with their parents. Yeah. But and second best, the church would be doing their yeah. job. To support the parents. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Amen. But right now, San Diego alone has 3,500 kids in the foster system. And that's really, really unfortunate. There's not enough people fostering. There's not enough yeah. people adopting. I'm not going to point at just the church. It's just a general right. <laughs> statement that it's just not enough. And it's always been on my heart to share the realities of it, especially since the kids came into my life. Because I think that humans are afraid of the unknown, and it can be a very scary thing yeah, to be, say yes to somebody. It can be or scary, something. and it can be hard. And it will be. <laughs> yeah. It will be, which we didn't foster, by the way. It was a whole other crazy process. process. Yeah. But my life would <laughs> not be the same at all Yeah, if Teddy and Riley did not exist in it. <laughs> I get it. And I don't even think they know the severity to which I love them. So <laughs> Well, now they'll find out on the Century yeah, 15 podcast. Do. I think they have a clue. I think they have a clue. I just had to shamelessly say, if you have even an inkling <laughs> to do something like that, just do it. <laughs> well, in the show notes, two things, Matt. We need to put Drew Miles' episode in there because Drew is doing 225, which is supporting foster parents because right. sometimes you get in and wouldn't it be I'm lovely? I'm actually organizing that golf tournament right there now. There you go. <laughs> That's right. There's the With shameless blow yeah. right now. The thing is, this is a support service for foster parents because we need to. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you're not the person that should be fostering a young person. Maybe not. But maybe you're the person that could go golf in this golf tournament, which is when? May 4th. May 4th. Mm -hmm. And we'll have it in the show notes too. Yeah. And then the Drew Miles episode, we talked a lot about it at that time. Yeah, and we'll how, it. What a travesty it is that we're not just swooping up and loving these young people that really, really need it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to move backwards and I want to, but I want to talk about how you have metamorphed that was great. All right. Yeah. And, For sure a word. And, and how you <laughs> share Jesus with people. Because I told a story about you a while ago, maybe in the very first year. You were mentoring some young ladies and you decided to go into the shopping center. So this is a story from back then. Yeah. Share that story. What happened so that I make sure I get it right? Well, it was a long time ago, but from what I remember, it was me, a friend who was my co-leader of that group at the time. And I think just one girl that was... Anyway, so we went to the mall with the complete intention of prophesying to people, which is weird to me. To be honest, yes, I'm very bold. But besides that time, that season of my life, I hadn't... What's the word? Operated? Yeah, or like like stepped out in that way. Like yeah. I hadn't really tried it. And you brought up Shane earlier at the time I was attending his home group, I believe. Maybe he was even just an apprentice at that time, but he's very anointed in that way and yeah. very encouraging to others in that way. So anyway, we went to this mall, which if you don't know the area is one of 
probably the best places you can go to prophesy to people. <laughs> Let's <laughs> just go. leave it at that. There you go. <laughs> so we did. We showed up. We prayed in the car, asked the Lord to point people out to us and tell us what to do and what to pray and what to say. So we headed in. And for me, from what I remember, because it was maybe eight years ago, I don't know. I got a literal tingly feeling in my finger, in, in my ring finger. Ring finger. Yes. Remember this like it was yesterday. And we were walking. I thought, what does that mean? And I didn't really know until we went into, I thought, oh, maybe the jeweler, the jewelry place, you know, that makes sense. And I went in and then casually walked around as they stared because they think these young people are here to steal something from me. <laughs> and I saw this woman and something like resonated in my heart with mm -hmm. her. So I just went up to her and I didn't have any crazy word from the Lord. I just kind of told her what was happening. <laughs> hey, uh, I believe in God. And sometimes God does these weird things and he'll like tell us things or he'll give us these feelings. And um, I got this tingly feeling in my finger right before coming in here and seeing you. And I don't really know what that means, but I wanted to ask if you wanted or needed prayer. At that point, the woman started crying yep. and was sharing that she had, I think from what I remember, just moved there. Her husband, who they were on the rocks bordering, possibly getting divorced, was still back from wherever she came from. And so my young self was i married at the time i don't think so nope i don't think so um prayed a blessing over this woman and over her marriage and then invited her to foothills because it's so close so <laughs> the reason i bring that one up and i've got other stories about you but the reason i bring it up is because we're a very diverse spiritually minded family and group of listeners and so for you folks that operate in the prophetic prophetic evangelism if you want to call it that that kind of encounter, when you're sensitive to it and you're not trying to work it up, you're just saying, hey, God, what do you got? If you operate that way, what happens is that person knows there is a God in heaven that cares enough about me mm -hmm. that he would send this young lady just to ask and bravely pray a blessing over me. Mm -hmm. That just brings God into their situation. God loves me that much wow. and i've got a hundred of those stories not just about me for sure but about so many people that operate that way so it's legit and if that's the way you're built oorah go for it don't be entirely stupid but be and reckless but be sensitive and bold first peter three fifteen says you share them with gentleness and respect mm -hmm. and people will hear that mm -hmm. now fast forward you and i were having a conversation that the way that you share jesus has changed over the years. It's something different, a different flavor. So talk about that because I think that's really important too. Yeah. It does tie in to my personal life, like my story, my testimony a little bit, because my testimony, like I told you earlier, is just continuing every single yeah. day. It's your story. It is a wild story. I think everyone does. I don't, I think you should know that your testimony is ongoing because then you're not surprised when things happen. <laughs> so I would say the pivot really happened when my life fell apart <laughs> without going into like immense detail because I mentioned earlier an ex-husband. I was married previously and he chose some very unfortunate things that caused a divorce. We did have the kids and so our whole family imploded. 
And I would say like now looking at it, yes, it was like probably one of the hardest things I've ever gone through, but just dealing with the ripple effects of the way that it has affected the children has almost hurt me more Hmm. than the situation itself, believe it or not. So anyway, all of that happened and I, it was in 2020, which was not a good year for anybody. <laughs> I, so I didn't have a job at the time, but he had left and I had two kids. So I first was on the couch, incapable of offering anything to, for probably two weeks. And I'm very, very, very eternally thankful for my people in that time, for myself and for them helping take care of my kids who were old enough to like at least make a meal for themselves thank god (laughs) but after letting myself do what i needed to do and feel what i needed to feel for a couple weeks it was very important that i got a job to provide for myself and my family so i got two jobs one of which was at starbucks and the other was just being an assistant to katie and curtis anderson here at the church that one was the was we'll call it the easier one and what we're talking about starbucks as we know is a secular company and it deals with all sorts of people so something i realized right away was that i had experienced so much hurt and so much brokenness like i i cannot even i don't really even have words to describe this season of my life yet still i don't know if i'll ever come up with the words yeah there honestly i thank god that i'm alive (laughs) i think that he spared my life i tell people he saved my life twice once when i was born again believer and second time when i wanted to take my own life so i was in therapy i went to my mentor once a week i was surrounded by very very close family and friends a very very tight circle um And then I was welcomed back into my church that I had stopped going to for a few weeks with open arms and with very protective arms from my pastoral leadership. I realized in that time and through all that healing and learning process, I do not want anyone to ever feel even slightly the way that I felt ever again. And I know that's not possible and that's really unfortunate. I said to you earlier, causes me like to feel physical illness sometimes when I think about it emotional again but it changed the way I saw everybody like everybody and I have always been bold I'm a very bold person I really love truth like justice is like my thing (laughs) but I was called too bold and then I was quenched for a very long time And so I kind of started to doubt myself, doubt my love for others, doubt what I believed, doubt my discernment. I have great discernment, contrary to popular belief. No, but I have great discernment. All these things that were downplayed and quenched for a really long time, I had to relearn. And for good reason, because I'm like, how how are these people never going to hurt again? And Dave mentioned in a message a couple weeks ago, I don't remember what he called it, but it's that like when Job, his friends just came and sat with him. The presence, the, yeah, the ministry of presence. Ministry of presence. Um, that is what it, uh, for those two weeks, 
Yeah. Nobody left me alone. They were afraid to leave me alone, but that's besides the point. They were ministering by their presence yep. to me. Mm-hmm. And so that is what pivoted my mindset. It wasn't just about truth anymore because before it was like, everybody needs to know the truth. So whether that's me being combative in conversation, whether that's me going into the mall without relationship with this woman and just saying, I feel like God wanted me to pray for you. Whatever that looked like, that is how I quote unquote ministered. And obviously it's worked and it's great and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, everything changed and I just felt so, so, so strongly that if we can't hold space for people when they're the most vulnerable, I don't know what we're expecting from people. I think David, we get these beautiful Psalms and he was like extremely broken Yeah, a lot of times, mm-hmm. sometimes because he did it to himself, sometimes not. But like we read Psalms and like Psalm 77 stands out where he's saying, I've wept and I've prayed all night and I have not been comforted by you, Lord. And I will be the first to say I was the person that would be like, how could you say that? And try to beat the truth into somebody. But he's like somebody that we look at now as one of the most faithful men just realized like the truth will come. And my job here is to give them no choice. Mm. But to believe I think is are the words that I used with you earlier is everything I said and everything I did was driven from this like deep, deep, deep rooted compassion for hurt and pain. And that came from Jesus being there, the ministry of presence to me in my most painful, hurtful time of my life. And bringing other people to do the same physically for me because Jesus wasn't physically here. And I really loved those people at Starbucks. I loved them. People are like, you like working at Starbucks? Most people don't. (laughs) I, oh my gosh, enjoyed showing up until the very end. It got a little dicey, but every day. And as humbly as I can say it, they really liked me too. Probably because... Everything I did was led with love. Mm. Every holiday, they got individual cards with letters in them, handwritten, and presents, and goodies, and I covered for every shit. I really, and it wasn't to get anything. It was because I cannot watch as these people feel slightly this, like, hurt, as anywhere close to as hurt as I felt in that time. And if David can cry out and say, I've been here worshiping and praying and calling out to you all night, Lord, and I'm not comforted. If David can say that, how do these people that don't know Jesus at all feel in their most vulnerable time? Hmm. Imagine not even having the ability to call out to God because you don't even know where to begin. That's where I was at. I was facing this like, Okay, I'm literally only going to love them. The hard part comes when eventually false beliefs come up, eventually lies come up, eventually things that go against my love for justice and truth come up, and then I'm compelled to tell the truth. And it gets a little dicey and a little scary, to be honest, but I have to because I just, that's how I am. You know, Court, the thing is this, 
<clears throat> with that maturity and that brokenness, God draws close to the brokenhearted. I mean, he specializes in it. And so many verses in the Bible are talking about he was heartbroken, he was driven by compassion. You know, he loved, right? When you lead with that, then when you might have something to talk about that's hard with a person, they already know you love them. Then you have, we used to call it the right to be heard. You've earned that right to be heard because you've already poured out the love and it makes the truth have even more power. So I get it and I respect it. And I remember walking through some of the hard stuff that you are brave enough to share and I appreciate you doing it because there are people in that same place and you're ministering to them. Mm -hmm. But what I told you so many times, he redeems mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. He trades the ashes <laughs> for beauty. He is in the business of redeeming everything. Mm -hmm. And when you told me that you were praying, the reason I screamed is just came out of my soul <laughs> and said, see, mm -hmm. he redeems everything. Because yeah. you're happy now, aren't you? This guy yeah. you oh hang out with, this husband of yours, I see how you look at him, and he loves you really well. Oh, yeah. He is <laughs> no offense to the other two men in this room but i think the greatest man i've ever met in my whole entire life god is so good that you don't yeah. have words yeah. to yeah. describe it and that doesn't downplay either because i have made this vow to be honest and be vulnerable there are struggles in this life I shared earlier, I still struggle with the ripple effects of what happened to us a few years ago and what these other people's choices did to our hearts, our family. You know, I am very happy and I am very blessed. And my happiness and my grief can coexist. Yeah, <laughs> they can it's happen real. at the Absolutely. same time, yeah. which I'm learning. So I just share with people that that it can be hard, but it's so good. That's what I share with me. I'm just like, I don't know. I want to pray because this has been such meat. I think people are going to listen to it more than once. If not because it's so deep and rich, to try to figure out what the heck we were saying. Yeah. <laughs> I said a lot. It was good. It was good. Yeah. It's very anointed. Father, I knew it would be this way. I warned my good friend Matt to get ready for a Holy Spirit ride. And Lord, you breathed on this like we ask you to do in every single episode. So, Father, would you use this to minister to people who are in, in those places where Courtney has been and that they'll find you faithful like mm -hmm. she and I and Matt have found you faithful. We just love you so much, Lord. And uh, I want to pray for the first in utero person that has <laughs> been on the show. Would you bless her baby? Would you bless her baby's spouse and the future father? And you know what? It's all for you, Lord. Thank you for sending us. Thank you for being with us. Amen. Amen. Amen.